You unlock the door with the key of ignition. Beyond is another dimension. A dimension of sound and a dimension of speed. You find yourself in a land of both friction and downforce, of acceleration and gear changes. You're about to experience the Rev Limiter. Well, hello everybody. Welcome to Rev Limiter. This is our Sandown preview, and I'm joined by Andrew Clark. How you going, Clarky? Bad. I was all hell psyched up for a big week at the Grand Prix, but uh, instead we're off to Sandown. So, uh, you know, we trade one good thing for another good thing. So, uh, really happy these supercars are at Sandown this weekend. I think a few people are. There's no complaints about that. Before we get into the Sandown preview, we've got a well, we've got some news and stuff. And the biggest news right at the moment is supercars have come out and said they're going to reduce the downforce of the Gen 3 car by 67%. That's a big amount. That's great news. It is cracking news. So uh, hopefully when they do all of that, we're not going to hear the terms aero wash attached to supercars for a very long time. So you clearly, yeah, the way the supercars are now, I mean, theoretically, each model was supposed to be the same. We weren't going to get an increase in downforce from one model to the next model to the next model. But, you know, the engineers and the boffins got involved and they snuck a bit here and they snuck a bit there. And each year it's just got higher and higher and higher until we got to the ZB Commodore and then the, um, and then the Mustang, you know, and they just sent the thing through the roof. Um, so they pulled it back a little bit, but not enough. So what I'm loving about it, you know, I love watching the NASCARs on a road course because you see the cars sliding, you see them fighting, they seem doing everything. So I'm seeing drivers driving race cars. That's what I'm looking forward to with this Gen 3. I think it's a 67% reduction. It's going to be cracking. Is that 67% off the current downforce that it is now, or are they also including the bit of downforce they took off last year a little bit? What all of it? No, 67% from today. Wow. So, um, you know, so, yeah, so essentially we'll be looking at about, you know, about 30% of the downforce. So I think at the moment, what are they doing? It was 110 kilograms of downforce, I think, or something along those lines. So we'll be pulling it back to somewhere around 30 to 40 kilograms of downforce. So, you know, it means the cars will be good. They'll be, they'll be feisty. Actually, I was reading the figures in the story. They're saying there's 400 kilograms of downforce and they're going to bring it back to 100. Well, the original plan, like the supercars were meant to have 160 kilograms of downforce. That was the plan. But as I say, they did sneak it up and they snuck it up and snuck it up and, and we ended up with these beasts that are so aerodynamic that they're like every other aerodynamic formula in the world and you can't race. You know, you can't follow in a fast corner, which means you can't set up a pass at a slow corner. Um, so if you take, you know, Bathurst, for instance, you know, you're stuffed across the top of the mountain. You're just going to, all you're going to do is scrub your tyres and heat them up. And we saw that with Cam Waters last year with the Giz. You know, he could stay with him for a lap, but he couldn't stay with him for any more than a lap because the front tyres were just getting killed. And then it's not just the front tyres getting killed, it's then the brakes are heating up because you're not getting cool air and things in. So, you know, taking downforce out is a great thing. It's the only way to open up proper racing and uh, and bring it back to what we all want to see, which is a bit of knock them down, drag them out, biff and barge you know i'm going to take a pass here or you know i'm going to be gentle on the car for a little bit and look after my tires and then attack late and do all that sort of stuff well, that's what reduced downforce brings us in less than 12 months we'll know 
I know how exciting will it be the start of next season, you know, and I couldn't give two tiddly squats whether they're running Mustangs, Camaros, BMW M4s or whatever. All I care about is that we've got this cracking racing series potentially coming by having these cars set up properly. So um, bring it on, I say. I, I can't wait and, uh, yeah, just can't wait. Okay, moving on. A little bit closer to now. Brisbane's got a bit of a COVID threat. Uh, there's, the supercars are keeping an eye on that. What's, what's going on there, fella? Yeah, there's been a couple of couple of positives uh, up in Brisbane, so coming out of one hospital. So uh, it's one of those ones where they think it is under control, uh, but clearly things can get out of control very quickly with COVID. So it's a watching eye. Um, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't expect anything to happen. It looks like it's, as we record this that it's uh, that it's settled down. But I think there's a watching brief to say you know you may need to get out of Brisbane very quickly for all those teams that are up there. Um, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that as, as is supercars, but it uh, looks like we've escaped the risk there. Okay. Apart from Sandland being not such an aero track, the biggest thing going into this weekend, I would have to say, is the Giz's collarbone. And we it's, it's the left coll it's the left collarbone. It's his gear, it's the hair, it's the arm he changes gears with. So he's probably going to be using it. Well, I don't know. I don't know what the difference is. I mean, if you've got to hold the turn the steering wheel with one hand, who knows? What's the latest? I'm not sure. He's probably wishing they had paddle shift, I would have thought, right at the moment. <laughs> but, uh, given that he's one of the most vocal opponents of uh, paddle, shift, paddle shift, by the way. Uh, yeah, I mean, the thing is that like, I've broken my collarbone and I've fractured my shoulder as well, so I know what it's like. I've watched the footballers who break shoulders and fracture things and things. You know, they, sometimes they can come back quickly, sometimes they can't. The bottom line is that we're not really going to know uh, where he's at until he gets into the car. Now, he's done a test with a BMW this week up at uh, Queensland Raceway, so you know, apparently he's got through that okay. Otherwise, we would have heard the alarm bells flying by now. So theory is he's okay. Let's see how it holds up under pressure and under the you know all the forces that a supercar brings to play. Oh, I'm hearing he's doing so doing another test in a Toyota 69, 86, 47. What are they called? 86, yes. 86. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, yeah that, that's coming as well, but uh, that's not really going to go give him the same sort of forces and impacts. So what, what it is is if you think you've got a supercar, we've got a broken shoulder which has been plated, we're going to stick a hands device on it, we're going to strap it down so that the pressure is all on that point of the collarbone. So it's exactly where the plates are going to be. You're, you're, talking just, get, you're talking just a bit down below from the top of your shoulder at the front. Is that what yeah, you're talking about? Yeah, the pressure in between, is, not yeah, right on in, the between top? in between the shoulder blade and the neck is yeah, where right. the, is where it will be plated. Yeah, so what's going to happen is that when he's going around certain corners, it's going to load up on that part of it. But more importantly, when he breaks and the, and the mm. body's forced forward under the brakes, that's where he's really going to feel it. So it'll be interesting to see how he goes once he gets the forces of that car, you know, because these cars break pretty well now these days. So um, And Sandown's got two big brakes. You know, you got that big brake at the end of the first straight, and then you got the big brake at the end of the back straight. So uh, it's it's going to punish him. It's going to feel it, and it'll be interesting to see. You know, he he might be fine. I mean, as I said on on last week's podcast, you know, Lynn John is an AFL footballer. He played the next week after having his shoulder plated, and they take different sorts of impacts. So it's quite possible that he's going to be fine and will have no impact at all. Uh, but then it's also quite possible that it's going to cause him a lot of discomfort. Tanders on standby just in case it's too uncomfortable. Yes, take him out of the commentary box and onto the racetrack. <laughs> that's not the first time that's happened. Uh, no, certainly not. But, you know, as I say, it's interesting. So nine days from the operation to sitting in the race car for, for Van Gisbergen. So 
You know, it's a short space of time. And as I say, the only way we're going to find out is on Saturday morning uh, when he's run a few laps and we'll see how he sits in, or sorry, how he pulls up from that. Well, maybe we should ask Craig Lowndes what it's like to drive with a busted collarbone. Yeah, well, of course, when he did his, which was five years ago, um, he broke his uh, shoulder on January the 17th. The um, three weeks later was the Bathurst 12-hour, and he was ruled out of that race on um, um, health reasons or physical or whatever, out-injured, we'll call it. Um, and then he was back in action three weeks later at, at the Eclipse so of he had, he had six so. weeks between where he busted his collarbone and his racing. Yeah, which sounds much more reasonable to me. Um, so having, having fractured mine a long time ago when I was a young kid, you know, I know the pain. And I know what it's like. It's not an easy thing to recover from because it's a very fragile bone. You know, you think about it, it's no wider than your finger, yet it's controlling everything about your arm. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a pretty important bone. So let's see. I mean, medical science is pretty good these days. He won't be going on the track if they don't think it's safe. But it's not just whether it's safe. It's actually whether or not it's going to discomfort him, whether he's going to feel it when he's under braking and all those sort of things. And then, then the mental strength that he's going to need to block that out of his brain and ride through it all. Speaking of injuries and war wounds, Jack LeBrock, burned feet. How, how are they going? <laughs> well, apparently he's still on crutches um, to try and do it. So that's being done purely to to give it as much chance to repair as possible. They're not quite clear why it happened yet, which is the funny thing at Tickford. So it only happened in the one car. So, you know, James Courtney and Cam Waters were fine. So just Jack LeBrock. So he's having a shocking run with his car at Bathurst, you know, with the, the fumes and stuff he had last year. But, yeah, he should be fine. Um, again, uh, it's not a nice thing to have burns on the bottom of your feet when you're trying to push the brake pedal and things in these cars. So I, I wouldn't expect him to be at 100% of his game, uh, but he should be okay to run still. Changing things. I've got some other things to bring up. Cam Waters, he got a wrap over the knuckles for dragging some dirt on the track, but supercars have now taken it one step further and have banned any 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 of that type of behaviour on a cool-down lap, especially after a qualifying or top 10 shootout. So even if you accidentally run off the track because you're waving at the fans and you drag some dirt on the track, there's a penalty. Yes, it's Motorsport Australia, of course, not supercars um, are in charge of the rules. Um, and Cam Waters was the one who put his hand up and said, hey, there should be a penalty for this. Um, there wasn't when he did it, but now there is. Now, I don't know whether he thought he was at the speedway or not, but he was just kind of drifting around, waving at the crowd because it was a crowd, which um, he's probably not used to at the moment. <laughs> yeah, it just drags him back on. There is a penalty. doesn't define what the penalty is. So would he have lost his shootout lap? Would he have copped a fine? Uh, unclear. But, you know, it's a good step to bring it in to say, well, you know, we're just not going to cop this having debris left on the track after a lap at any point in time. Not just the shootout, any point in time. So any practice session, any qualifying session, any race, if you bring things back onto the track, you can be penalised. Well, but yeah, but they're saying during the race as well, people go off the race all the time and bring stuff on. You can't help it. You have to bring stuff on to get back on the track. What are they talking about? Oh, you're yeah, going to get a penalty but doesn't- for going off doesn't mean they have to apply it. So this is the old thing. Um, For those of who are old enough like me and remember the old Amaru Park, you you used to go up the hill there and you'd uh, deliberately put your uh, wheel off into the right to spray some rocks at people coming behind you. So it's to stop that sort of thing, not the accident, but, you know, just the the little things where stupidity um, or carelessness plays a part. Okay. Other news? Will Brown's in the spare car for this weekend. Yeah, yep, they haven't had time to repair the car properly. So both 
Will Brown and Tim Slade are running their spare cars this weekend. So uh, the damage from their Bathurst crashes was pretty hefty. So, uh, yep, we've got a spare car. Let's swap you in. I'm hearing Will Brown's, this is going to be his car because it's a Dave Reynolds 2019 car. So it's not that old and they've updated it. And I think it's a chassis we're talking about here. And they're going to fix up the chassis that he binned or bent at Bathurst. Um, and straighten it up and just put that into the chassis roundabout, just available chassis. Yeah, the, I mean, the bottom line, most of the cars, you know, they're the same day in, day out. Like these cars could do 10 years and be the same. It's only if you've come up with some great sort of novelty that you get benefits out of having a new chassis. So, you know, it's much of a muchness nowadays. It doesn't really matter. Just keeps guys like Aaron Noonan scratching their heads as they're trying to track chassis numbers. Okay, I want to get into Bathurst wild cards. There's a few uh, wild card speculation banter going around. We've got Triple Eight. Looks like they're exploring uh, the wild card option, and also McLaughlin and Will Power are going to be available to race at Bathurst because the IndyCar Championship would have wrapped up in the states, making them available to uh, have a co-drive berth at Bathurst. Yeah, I think uh, Scotty McLaughlin would be very keen to get back and have another run in the Mustang before it uh, before this current generation disappears. Beautiful timing. Like I think it's the week before the IndyCar Championship finishes. Uh, Will Powers got Bathurst experience. Um, Scotty McLaughlin clearly would go in there and still be on the pace. It's not going to be like another IndyCar driver who's got to to learn and get in. He'd be in there and be a contender. So whether or not that can be pulled off with DJR, uh, who knows? But um, you know they they must be looking at how to do that. And the other one, of course, is the Triple Eight team looking at running a wild card. Uh, the talk is Brock Feeney's in the running to have his own car at Bathurst. So, uh, you know, we'll see where that one ends up to. It's all about money. You know, if you get the money, you can do the car. If you don't get the money, you don't do the car. Yeah, fair enough. McLaughlin coming into IndyCar to Bathurst, do you think he's going to be good enough? Absolutely. Has, has it been in the car all year? He's, he's been racing a different series. The car is adjusted to. He comes to Bathurst, he's got to readjust to that car. You reckon he will adjust that quickly? Uh, by Friday, he'll be on the pace. So what, um, you reckon he can win Bathurst? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, no doubt at all. I don't think he's got a chance. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think he, A, he's good enough. B, if you give him a good enough car, he's a real chance. And, uh, you know, he's got something to prove. He would love to have a clean Bathurst win, I think, one without without any um, any asterisks or um, exclamation points or swear words or all that sort of stuff. So he'd love to do it. And, yeah, I don't think it would make much difference stepping out from the IndyCar. He's got enough years of, of supercars experience embedded in his muscles to do what he needs to do. Okay. A couple of other things. Not so much racing supercars, but uh, competing in some other stuff. We've got uh, Cam Waters did a bit of sprint car racing, and I think he qualified for the A A final, A main, whatever they call it. Yep, the uh, A main down at Warrnambool. Yeah. That's one of the best sprint car tracks in the country. It's a cracking sprint car track too, but uh, I caught up with him. I went down to Simpson Speedway the week before Warrnambool and uh, spent some time with Cam down there, and he said you know, he said his goal, he said, you know, my goal is to make an A main. Now, he missed the night at Simpson Speedway, which uh, – it's a great little track, by the way, just outside Colac, and the corners are different diameters. 
and it's got a dip and a dive in it. It's a great little track, so I was quite impressed with that. But you know, Warrnambool, of course, is the is you know one of the premier tracks in Australia, which is probably why it's called Premier Speedway. But uh, it's just another aside. So uh, you know, it's just an adjusting thing for him. It's uh, getting used to being sideways instead of trying to keep the car straight and not gas it up too much. So uh, learning experience. He's having a blast and uh, he's really enjoying himself. So I think he's got a few more runs this year before winter sets in. Another Aussie doing some great things overseas is James Small, and he's part of the Martin Truex, who just won the Phoenix um, NASCAR event. The second, I think it was the second event of the second or third of fifth already. Fifth, yeah, yeah. You're not getting pace now. You're a bit slow, aren't you? That's no, right. no. Three races. In, I think five, five races, five, five different winners so far for NASCAR. So that's not bad at all. James Small, of course, he was the engineer for Frosty's Bathurst winning car way back in uh, 2013. So comes from a you know, family of um, of car racing people. Les Small, who was uh, big when the Thunderdome was firing. So uh, you know, a bit of a NASCAR heritage in there as well. So uh, you know, um, James. Packed up shop a few years ago and headed off to do NASCAR, and now he's a uh, race-winning engineer. So, uh, yeah, really good effort. It's uh, one of the toughest classes in the world. So uh, to step up and start winning races there as an engineer is an impressive effort. Well, NASCAR is hard to, to win in. It is so competitive, and as a lot of people call it, it's also the black art of setup. So there's a couple of things you've got to deal with over there. I find that pretty impressive. Yeah, I think it's very impressive. Uh, you know, yeah. the world outside motorsport will never kind of recognise that as a significant achievement. But in terms of Australian sport, that's big. It, absolutely, you know, really big. Okay, we'll be back after this break or an opportunity for station identification. <laughs> we'll come. We'll come back with our preview of this weekend Sandown. Hey, Nev, hey. I'm looking at this thing called Motorsport 360, and I've got the app up on my phone, and, and i I got all of this news. I can find Hamilton's unfazed by F1 testing dramas, and I've got a NASCAR series crew chief suspended for lug nut issues, and Ducati's having positive tests at Masano, and then I've got a penalty report from the crew chiefs at NASCAR. How good is this thing? Mate, that's what I found out about the 67% downforce reduction. Mate, it was there. The feed is just constantly being updated, mate. It's fantastic. There's stories from Crash.net, IndyCar.com, Speed Cafe down here in Aussie, Motorsport.com. Mate, isn't Speed Cafe crushing it? <laughs> ah, very funny. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm liking Motorsport 360. Get it on your Android. Yeah, and, and Apple soon. <laughs> absolutely, Apple soon. It's Sandown preview time. The, the, the race we didn't think we might have, though we were pretty confident we were going were to have it because it was a uh, backup race for the Grand Prix and we didn't think that was really going to happen at this time of the year in Melbourne, unfortunately. First up, race day crowds. Saturday and Sunday, no crowds allowed there Thursday, Friday, but they're going to allow 3,500 people per day on the Saturday and the Sunday? Yep, that's it, which is a pretty slender crowd when you think about the size of that venue, but... Uh good in Melbourne to have crowd at all. So, you know, it's a, it's, it'll be nice to see them there and uh, you know, won't be quite filling the grandstand, obviously, but uh, they'll make a bit of noise and uh, it'll make a huge difference, I think. So good to see them back. They're not going to be allowed in the pits, though. They're, no. um, supposedly they're going to separate the garages and the pits from the fans. 
Uh, I don't think the fans will be able to go into any of the competitor areas. The only people that are allowed to cross over any of that is four corporate types and they have to wear team uniform <laughs> to, to even be able to go from one paddock to the other kind of thing. It's interesting, but it is one of those things they've got to be very careful about at the moment. I mean, probably a bit disappointing the 3,500 crowd when you consider the AFL is allowed to have 50% capacity. You would have thought we'd maybe get up to the 10,000 a day type of thing at Sandown, but uh, you know, three and a half thousand. Let's uh, you know, let's not complain too much. It's nice to have the crowd back at all. So, um, and let, let's face it, like it's great to have car racing, serious car racing, back in Melbourne for the first time in a year. So, uh, you know, this was of course Grand Prix weekend last year when it all got cancelled. So uh, it's twelve months since we had something serious since here. the reality hit yeah. us that we we're going to get. I know that the world yeah. was shutting down. I know. Yeah, it's so what- how good is it? And say, so I can jump on the scooter. It's a five minute ride to Sandown. So I'm stoked. I'm over the moon. All right. So we, we got some facts. It's the 51st Australian Touring Car Championship round. It's Reynolds' 350th race. The Giz he's is, old now, isn't he? The Giz has <laughs> never win. He's never won here, and he's just made his uh, made that stat even more difficult to fix up. Frosty has never DNF'd at this round. In fact, he's had some good results at this round. And the last nine races have been won from the front row. It's interesting, isn't it? It's uh, one of those tracks where you, you wonder exactly how how it goes on that side of it. So clearly, you want to be fast in qualifying because qualifying is going to give an indication as to you know the stability of the car and the speed under brakes and all that sort of stuff. So I wouldn't have thought it was the most qualifying sensitive track that we go on, given that you know there are overtaking spots here. So yeah, it's an interesting stat. And um, you know, I mean, the stats don't lie in a sense, but question is what's underneath it. Um, and what's going to happen when we have the 310-kilometre races. The Giz has never won. Yeah, it's bizarre when you get to that, isn't it? What, he's been in the sport for more than 10 years, more than a decade, and he's never won a race at Sandown. You know, you know, in a Shell oh, not Shell series, there's my age coming through, <laughs> in a supercar <laughs> series race. So the, the gods of yeah. Sandown have said, Giz, you're not winning. Oh, man, it looks like you're going to win this year. Stuff that will make you fall off a bike and break your collarbone. There you go. <laughs> not going to win again. It's, yeah, I know. But the funny thing is that it's not like it's been an unhappy Triple Eight hunting ground either. I mean, Wincup's got nine race wins here. Lowndes has won. I mean, the last race here is a supercar was the 500. It was won by Lowndes and Wincup. So, you know, the Triple Eight cars suit the place. Um, it's just the Giz... Uh, has has not gone all that well. Maybe it's because there's not enough rip tear and ball busting action type things. <laughs> I've always I always thought that the 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 Melbourne teams or the Southern teams would do better at Sandown, but it seems like the guys from Queensland and Northern they come down and whip our asses at Sandown. Yeah, well, it doesn't make any difference because they don't test there, of course. So you know, yeah, you but they do it at Winton as well. That's the whole yeah, thing. I know. Yeah, but uh, all you do is I just love it every time they come down because uh, Dick Johnson complains about the weather every time, no matter how good the weather is. And uh, can I say that I think we're headed for a cracking weekend down here in Melbourne. Um, what are we talking, 26 degrees today, then, um, bright sunshine for the whole week. So, and as, uh, as Clarkie know. looks at his weather app right now to uh, forecast what the temperature – mind you, it's Melbourne. It could change on the blink of an eye. Oh, yeah, but it's not going to change that dramatically. We're talking – 26 and 27 for Saturday and Sunday um, with a 1% chance of rain. So I reckon we're headed for a beautiful weekend of car racing. You think they um, sell out those 3,500 seats? I think they'd already be sold. <laughs> okay. Reynolds, 350th start? Yeah, I know. That's amazing. That's a lot it? of races. 
I know. He's, as I say, you're getting old, you know. Oh. And, uh, yeah, he's been around a lot longer than we think when you hear that stat. So, yeah, you, like, um, you know, footballers, if a footballer gets to 350 games, whether it's NRL or AFL, that's a that's a big thing. Uh, but 350 these days seems fairly normal for these guys. I mean, there'd be quite a few guys up around that level now as well. So, But, you know, I'm sure they'll do something special. Yeah, maybe they'll change his number for the weekend. That seems to be the way they do things. And, uh, we'll give him a birthday cake. So you're saying Reynolds has had 350 starts, but this is the only 51st Australian Touring Car Championship round. Maybe they've, they've must have had more than 51 Australian Touring Car Championship rounds. Is you talking this is the 51st Sandown round? This is the 51st Sandown round. So yes. Sandown's Correct. had 51 Australian Touring Car Championship starts. Rounds. Rounds, races, yes, Because remember right. the old days, yeah. yep. we had okay. rounds. And, Stay yep. with me. They've had that many stars. And they wanted it to take it off the calendar this year. This is a stalwart of a track. Why would you get rid of it? It's had 51 rounds there. It was insanity to take it off the schedule. Um, yeah, it's the only race uh, that's not a street circuit that is in the, an urban area. So um, taking it off the program it was it was ludicrous it was stupidity um and uh but maybe they did it because they always knew the grand prix was going to fall over mm-hmm. uh, i don't know but yeah it needs to be there it's got history it's got everything about it all it's got its proximity to catchment area of people and it's a great track i reckon the only it time works. they shouldn't have a race there is when they've started building houses on it yeah which i'm hearing is um has been delayed quite significantly so yeah. uh, it's imminent um, at some stage but and we won't be there forever because it is in the middle of suburbia but still yeah. you know but keep, it all keep... depends on the melbourne racing club uh, the melbourne racing club which is a horse racing club owns the track now it's not like the other horse racing tracks so melbourne racing club also runs caulfield race course which is on public land so they actually don't own the land on which they race so the talk was always they were going to sell sandown um, and then keep going at Caulfield. So why would you sell the one you own and keep the one you don't own? Um, you can make the make money sense. from the one you own. You don't make the money from the one you don't own if you sell <laughs> Yeah, it. but then you're living on a public lease. You know. So the interesting thing about Caulfield Racecourse, I don't know whether you've ever been down there on a day when there's no horse race, the gates are open. They cannot stop you from going in there at any point in time because it's public land. So you can walk in there and do whatever you like in there um, on any day other than certain blocked-away events. Um, really? Didn't you know that? Yeah, that could, so could be a fun it could be a fun outing to a race course. It is. Well, not... people go and take their dogs for a walk in there. <laughs> oh, yeah, <that's> the... <laughs> um, they're putting ah. football fields. They, they're putting sporting facilities in the middle of the horse racing track to give the community better access to things. So yeah. what the pub what they're saying there, the councils are saying, we're over you, Caulfield Race Course, Melbourne Racing Club. We're going to use this this land for better purposes. So why would you give away the one you own? Why not just get rid of Caulfield Racecourse? Who else well, is going to run it? Money, money, money speaks. And they've got a lake in the middle of the Sandown one too. That's important. Let's move on. Getting into a bit of the action. There's three 36-lap races. It used to be 38-lap races, but they've been reduced down to uh, uh, 36, taking two laps off. Uh, one tyre stop and no fuel. So this is the format that was uh, brought into play last year where they didn't want to have extra people travelling with the crew. So these sprint race formats, the super sprint as they call it, uh, are all going to be no fuel stop races. So uh, just one compulsory tyre stop. Um, you can do more tyre stops if you feel like it, but uh, just one will do uh, and no fuel. So and qu- that's why it's 110 Ks. 
and qualifying format two in use. Format two sounds like a new formula. I know it does, doesn't it? It sounds like I go to the chemist. Can I have a format two, please? Oh, Jesus. No. That, sounds, that sounds horrible. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? But no, what it is, it's um, it's uh, so because it's super sprint, we've got the one race on the Saturday and two races on the Sunday. So the Saturday qualifying format is a knockout format. So it's in three parts. So all 24 cars start. Uh, after 10 minutes, four cars are dropped off. Then we have a break of five minutes. Then we go again. Then 10 cars are dropped off. We have a break. And then the top, you know, the final 10 go out onto the track. So it's That's not a not shootout. A shootout. Uh, not a shootout. Nope. And they all on the track to do it. Sunday, of course, is just the two 20-minute sessions, um, one for each race. And um, so no knockout format there. So uh, it'll be interesting to see this new format in use. In, in, in the way it goes. I mean, it's very similar to what we did last year at certain places, except that we're dropping to 10 and not 15 on that second cut. Okay. Now, here, here's the big thing, the error wash factor. How much is the error wash factor going to be at Santa? You've been saying, no, nah, there's going to be no factor, but I reckon over the, the back straight coming at that left turn over the top there, I still think you're not going to be able to follow someone. Little, no, well, you wouldn't be passed on the outside there, but let alone trying to follow someone through there to make a – to make a passing move in the Dandenong Road corner? I'm not too sure. Well, the only spot where it's a significant factor is going to be the S's. So coming down through the Dandenong Road S's to Dandenong Road corner. But the beauty there is that that's such a tough complex of corners that people muck it up anyway, whether you're in front or behind. So if you can stay close enough, the chances are that you can still make that pass at Dandenong Road, which has always been a great overtaking spot, and especially when people run wide on the exit as well. So, yeah, aero wash will be a factor there, and I think only there. Okay, so there's no aero wash factors anywhere else. Where are the passing spots on this circuit? Uh, well, turn one's clearly a um, prominent passing spot, but uh, relies on you getting out of that last turn and getting the power down properly. So that'll depend on how good your rear tyres are as to whether you can pass in turn one. Um, the little turn two, three, four complex, it, it's a kind of a little kind of Mickey Mouse top operation, but it, it allows things to happen. So you'll often see little bits of nudges here and there, which unsettle cars. You'll see people getting sideways on the big curbs. Um, which unsettles them for the next corner. So anywhere in that two, three complex, two, three, four complex. So maybe turns two, which is the right hander going into the chicane, and turn four coming onto the back straight. They're both overtaking spots as well. Okay, yeah. And there's the, the turn ten, which is the second last turn. Is yeah, it possible that you need a good drive off turn? You need a good drive off down long road to to make that stick. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where the aero wash becomes the factor because getting down, keeping on someone's tail through the S's is critical if you want to try and pass at either turn nine, which is down on road corner, or turn 10. And so the turn 10 one will depend on whether or not they've come out of that corner down on road well. And if they haven't come out of there well, then it opens up turn 10. Okay, a couple more uh, tidbits. Pit lane, you're talking around a 40-second uh, stop from entering to exit. Yeah, that's if you don't stop. So that's if you get a pit lane penalty, it'll take you about that amount of time to get through there because it's got such a long gap. You know, that that stretch coming down when you come out of the pits onto the straight is so long. And, and it's good. I can tell you a little story about that because I remember going out in the track once with Dick Johnson in the um, Sierra Cosworth and uh, you come across the little line and it's like, okay, now you can go full power. And Dick looks, turns around and looks at me and says, hey, watch this. And he puts his foot flat on the floor. And about one and a half seconds later when the turbo spilled up, 
fucking thing goes berserk and screams off down the track on this little thing, wobbling and wobbling in this narrow little concrete canyon as it uh, as all the power kicks in. So um, it was a funny thing. I remember that forever, actually. But just the look on his face. Just, Watch this. <laughs> but, yeah, so it's got that long entrance and uh, long entrance onto the main straight, which is what stretches the time out. So let's say that the race has stopped early and somebody's missed their compulsory pit stop. That 40.5 seconds is added to their race time. Ah, okay. Got you. Qualifying. We're talking mid-70s. So one minute, seven seconds, mid-seven seconds? Yeah, yeah. Um, Scotty McLaughlin uh, took pole. Oh, what do they call a provisional pole with that strange format they step for qualifying at the Sandown 500. So he did a 7.7 7 in 2019 to, to take pole position. So let's expect them down into that sort of range. You know, it'll be, uh, the weather's nice. It's a bit warm, so it might cost them a little bit of time. So maybe it's going to be somewhere between the, the mid seven to a, to an eight, but I'd expect pole to be in a, in the sevens. Just a bit of a recap. Last time we were at Sandown, Scott McLaughlin qualified on pole. Uh, Wincup and Lowndes won the 500 from Chaz Mostert and James Moffat. And coming in third was Lee Holdsworth and Thomas Randall in, an, I think it was a Tickford machine. Yes, oh. yeah, two Tickford cars into the, uh, into the podium. So they've always been, yeah. Tickford have always been pretty good Tickford. at Sandown. Oh. Um, so that's the uh, results from the last time we were at Sandown. I'm going to get into the schedule for the weekend. Let's just start with Saturday. Saturday at 9.20 is uh, practice one. Goes for half an hour, 30 minutes. 11, <laughs> 11.20 is practice two. Uh, that goes uh, till midday. Again, another half an hour. Then it's uh, at 1.45 or 1,345 hours. Uh, that goes for 10 minutes. It's the qualifying part one for race three. Then at two o'clock, another 10 minutes, that's qualifying part two. Then at 2.15, another 10 minutes is the qualifying part three. The race is at 4.45. That's actually quite a, a late start in the day at 4.45 and goes to 36 laps or one lap after 5.43. So you've got, you don't even have an hour you've got 58 minutes. Interesting, isn't it? Well, it seems a bit tight. But anyway, Sunday, March 21st, qualifying at 10.30, goes for about 10 minutes, and then qualifying at 10.50 for race five. So the first one was race four, four then a race five. Uh, as you said, all in, go for it. And then at uh, 1.25 is race four, 36 laps. And then at 4.30 is the race five or the third race of the weekend. Again, 36 laps. Yeah, so remember, Nev, if, this, if they go through without a safety car, these races will take about 45 minutes. Like this is a quick quick fire thing. So there's super speed format. Now we had the two-hour races at Bathurst, so now we're down into the quickies. So 100 points for a race win instead of 150. So that the weekend, if your clean sweep is worth 300, the same as Bathurst, the same as, as all round. So uh, yeah, quick fire, rapid fire, let's go. Okay, crystal ball time. Give me a podium. Don't have to oh. give me a winner. Podium. Uh, I'm still sticking with Cam Waters. I think... Uh, I think the Mustang is a good unit and uh, it'll be well suited to this track. So I'm going to go for Cam Waters. I'm liking what Chaz Mostert's doing, so I'm impressed there. And I think, I think I'm think i looking for an Anton Di Pasquale to uh, fill out oh, the podium for me. Mate, they're the exact same three that I've got. Cam, Chaz and Anton. Mate. There you go. Okay. 
well. So we're either both going to be dickheads or we're both geniuses. How how well do you think the Win Cup's going to improve from uh, the first round? Uh, I think he's going to improve a bit. Um, I'm not sure about the the quantum leap, but um, you know maybe if Shane's not there, the pressure's on, or maybe if Shane's not at 100, percent the pressure's on. And as we know, Jamie, when the pressure's there, he steps up to the plate in most situations. Um, okay, but uh, yeah, who do you think's going to be the Biggest improver from the first round to the second round. Oh, geez, how do I ask that one? Dave Reynolds. I'm, I'm sitting there. I think Dave Reynolds is going to be understanding the car a little bit more. There's only one spot on the track where that gentle throttle balance is required, which is the S's. The rest of it, you know, the brutality or the of the power delivery of that Kelly Mustang is not going to be quite so impactful on him. So, I think it's a track that will probably suit that car a little bit. And uh, yeah, I think he'll he'll move up the order a bit. Okay, Clarky, thanks for helping me put the show together. Listeners, thank you for your time and joining us. And um, have a good fan experience for this weekend. And we'll be back after the Sandown Round for our review show and driver ratings. I hope to see you then. You'll see me. <laughs> see you, Clarky. See ya. Yeah, in between, top. in between the shoulder blade and the neck is yeah, where right. the is where will be plated. Um, you can see easily because I'm showing you on the video, but it helps not only <laughs> yeah, <that's>... one little <laughs> bit. We're doing radio, you idiot! <laughs> oh no, bugger, bugger! Just there, just there.